if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed it is, and it is now nine minutes after ten o'clock as we get into hour number two on this Thursday, the fourth morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Thanks again to the great sage of South Central, Larry Elder, for educating us a little bit more on what is going on across this country. The truth about race in America, the truth about policing via race in America. Uh, all of those facts will continue to be told, and uh, they will continue to be ignored by those who have ulterior motives. Uh, but we want to dive into this a little bit more now and look at it from a different perspective. Dr. Everett Piper is our regular Thursday guest. He is a columnist for the Washington Times. He is a former president of Oklahoma's Wesleyan, Oklahoma Wesleyan University. He is a best-selling author, and he is also now a radio host in his uh, home state of Oklahoma. Dr. Piper, it's good to have you back on our program. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. I uh, had a great conversation with Larry Elder, who's got a perspective that everyone uh, should be interested in as an African-American who does not believe that African-Americans are being persecuted, hunted, uh, having genocide committed against them, or any of the other narratives being advanced by the mainstream media, Hollywood, and the sports world. Uh, his voice is of particular interest. Um, Yours is as well, Dr. Piper, because, again, you come at this from a position of faith, uh, as a man of faith who has uh, made a, you know, a, a large part of your life and your public career uh, espousing the, the Bible and the virtues of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Can you provide us with a faith-based analysis of what is going on right now with respect to the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis and the now, what, seven straight nights of rioting, looting, assaulting, burning, and uh, destroying in his name? Well, let's, let's answer it from the context of faith. That's the way you've asked the question. Yes, my sir. faith, my Christian faith, is not based on feelings. My faith is based on facts. My faith is based on the veracity of the Word of God. My faith is based on the historicity of the Church and the facts therein. When we start making decisions based on feelings rather than facts, go back to Ben Shapiro when he says the facts don't care about your feelings. Mm -hmm. The Christian faith is a faith of facts. The Christian faith is a faith of forgiveness. The Christian faith is not a faith of constructs or social justice. It is a faith of biblical justice. And I really like what Vody Bachman says. Vody Bachman. He is a pastor 
and he is a theologian. He's a he's a uh, a speaker, uh, conference speaker, and he's also an author. Vody Bakum had a sermon, I believe, 2016-17, where he came out and said this: "Race is a lie. Biblically, race does not exist. There's nothing in the Bible that distinguishes or divides human beings by race." There's only one division that's mentioned in the Bible, and that's Jew and Gentile. And Vody goes on and he says this, Jew and Gentile is not a racial distinction. It's not a biological division. It's a division based on behavior. It's a covenantal division. Because Abraham, the first Jew, became a Jew not by genetic transformation, but by the transformation of his heart because of his obedience to the will of God. In other words, being a Jew is a decision, it's not a biological or genetic identity, because Abraham himself didn't change genetically from all the other pagans around him. He changed because he decided to obey God. Vody goes on and says, the idea of race is a lie, it's a postmodern construct, it is not true, and there's only one race in Scripture, and that's the human race. Adam's race, and we need to come together in unity, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father and all, one body of Christ, one human race, Adam's race. There are no divisions therein other than the division of a decision to follow in obedience to God. And any church that's preaching anything other than that is fomenting violence and vengeance and revenge rather than preaching the gospel of forgiveness and obedience to the call of Christ. That is very well uh, articulated. And Dr. Piper, you also articulated in your radio program, The Rebellion, um, the words of another leader, uh, and of course I'm talking about Martin Luther King Jr., who wrote a letter from his Birmingham jail talking about justice, talking about peace, and talking about it again as a matter of faith by way of God. Can you explain that, please? Everyone needs to go read that letter. It's, very, it's relatively short. But the letter from the Birmingham jail that MLK wrote set the moral context for the March for Civil Rights. And in that letter, he says this. Some will ask, how can you justify disobeying any law? And then he goes on and says, because some laws are just and some laws are unjust. And we have the human responsibility and obligation to disobey unjust laws. Well, how do you know the difference? He says this, a just law squares with the moral law of God, natural law, common sense, sense that is common. In other words, MLK is saying we know intuitively in our hearts, because we're endowed by our Creator with certain self-evident truths, and we know what is just and unjust because it either squares or doesn't square with the revelation of God. In other words, you can't make this up as you go. You don't hyphenate your humanity. You don't construct who you are as a human being. You don't make up your justice based on what society thinks it is. Biblical justice is the only justice that exists, because if you don't honor God as the judge, there is no justice. You can't have justice if you dethrone God and put yourself on that throne. I'll paraphrase G.K. Chesterton's quote, which I've used thousands of times on your show before, where I say, Chesterton says, and he warns us, if you get rid of the big laws of God, 
you don't get liberty. You get thousands and thousands of little laws. Well, let's paraphrase it. If you get rid of God, you don't get liberty. You get thousands and thousands of little gods Mm. that rush in to fill the vacuum. When we rise up as thousands of little gods in our narcissistic infatuation with self, social constructs, social justice, and dethrone God as being the definer of what's just and right and real, then you get thousands of little gods, and when you get thousands of little gods, you get the French Revolution, not the American Revolution, and you get the guillotine, and blood runs in the streets. Uh, I never get hired, uh, tired of hearing you use Chesterlin, and I love that, by the way, that, that little twist on it. You're right, the thousands and thousands of little gods. Let me go back, though, to, to King's letter, and just King in general, you know, because we, we often hear, um, you know, what he fought for and what his entire life's professional life, or well, personal and professional life was all about is bringing about justice through peaceful means. How do you think, and, and it's maybe tough to answer, I guess, but, but how do you think, Dr. King would be handling what is going on right now. And do you believe that today's, particularly the racial arsonists, I think, who profit in burning down America, figuratively mostly, but in these cases, you know, over the last seven nights, literally, uh, do you think they are dishonoring the message? And do you think they have completely forgotten or if they ever really even understood what the message was from Dr. King with respect to racial equality and how to achieve it in the United States? Well, of course, there's a dispute over what uh, MLK's politics would be today if he's alive. And I'm not I'm not going to presume that I know the absolute answer, but I do know his niece, Alveda King. Sure. And Alveda King is very clear that MLK would stand for the dignity of the unborn, He would stand for the dignity of the human being. He would stand against any violence because violence uh, um, contaminates, violence degradates the very definition of the Imago Dei. So if Alveda King, his niece, is right, and she knows more than I do, MLK would be appalled with the degradation of the human being. This claim from Black Lives Matter, for example, that somehow... That uh, here's the thing, BLM, Black Lives Matter, own website says that they believe in the queering of the nuclear family, that they believe in the dismantling of patriarchal families, that they believe in getting rid of cisgender normity. So BLM has degraded the black human being to being nothing but a social construct equal to the make-believe and the fabricated um, image of the human being that dumps it down to the definition of nothing but the sum total of what you're inclined to do, your passions, your proclivities, your angers, and your sexual drive, and your libido. What an insult to any human being to suggest that you're nothing more than that. I believe that Alveda King would say, my uncle would be appalled with the insult of the human being by what's going on right now in BLM and otherwise. Very well said, uh, Dr. Piper. We'll use that as our break point here. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, I want to talk about um, your most recent column in the Washington Times. Again, it's faith-based uh, in some manner, as uh, we have all been talking about governors and uh, elected officials picking winners and losers, which businesses can stay open, which businesses cannot, which are essential, which are not. And why, even as the country begins to reopen slowly, and I think at least in some small way in all 50 states, why churches and synagogues and places of worship continue to be among the losers. Dr. Piper will address that next on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Okay, 1024, I've got six good minutes left to talk faith and why faith is such an enemy of the elected officials leading most of Ohio's uh, blue states. Uh, Dr. Everett Piper back with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, Dr. Piper, you wrote about this, and we are all watching this. Slowly, businesses are starting. First of all, we could go you know, we could go back to the beginning when they started closing everything down, including places of faith, in the name of stopping the spread of the uh, Chinese coronavirus. But even as states begin to reopen and more and more businesses uh, are, are, you know, have, have their doors open for business, uh, that's a little redundant apology, apologies. Uh, but, but churches and synagogues and mosques and places of worship continue to be the last and continue to be targeted, it seems, almost intentionally for, you know, being shuttered or being restricted or being limited in some way why do you suppose it is that faith is not considered to be essential but access to pot dispensaries uh among other things is it's because the progressive left elevates itself to be as god and um they're the definers they're the givers of our rights not our creator but the government that's what they believe they don't believe the Declaration of Independence, that we are endowed by our Creator with certain self-evident truths and unalienable rights. They believe that they give us those things. They give and they take. The government giveth and the government taketh away. They believe that. That's what de Blasio thinks. That's what Como thinks. That's what Lightfoot in Chicago thinks. That's what Newsom in California thinks. That's what this little emperor in Vanita, Oklahoma, called Chuck Hoskins, the mayor of Vanita, thinks. Mm-hmm. That they have the authority to deconstruct the Constitution, and then reconstruct it in their own image, and ignore the First Amendment, which was written by, uh, by Madison, and it explicitly says, there's no ambiguity here, that the government cannot, cannot establish a religion, nor prohibit the free exercise thereof. This is not ambiguous. What gives any government the official government official the right to prohibit the free exercise of your religion in or out of your church jefferson came forward 11 years after madison wrote the first amendment and said to a bunch of nervous baptists in danbury connecticut who thought that the government was going to start dictating their polity polity in their practice he said you don't need to worry you don't need to worry because there's a wall separating the government from the church The government can't impose anything on you. Now, here's the thing. That wall is a fortress to protect the church. It's not a prison to confine the church. And there's a door in the wall. It's called the First Amendment. And the church can go through that wall, engage culture, do its good work, be salt and light, and then go back through the door and shut it and lock it from the inside and therefore keep the government out. That's the nature of the First Amendment. And if the church would rise up in mass and go to church and not allow these people to tell us not to, it would be very interesting to see how they would respond, wouldn't it? Because they don't care if people protest in the streets for BLM and Black Lives Matter, but they're telling the church we can't even meet in numbers greater than 15 inside our own church or in our parking lot. This is inconsistent to the max. It's religious bigotry. It's the poster child of standing against the First Amendment rather than with it and for it. 
Yeah, but Dr. Piper, aren't you forgetting that part of the First Amendment that says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion unless there's a nasty virus out there? I mean, right? That's that, that that's in the First Amendment, isn't it? That if there's a virus, Congress can indeed, or government can indeed, uh, uh, abridge your right to practice your religion as you see fit. And that's exactly what they, in fact, uh, what is it, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, declared a Romanian church to be a public nuisance a public nuisance. And then she said, we will jail you, we will confine you, we will we, we will take your property. We, I'll read it because I have property. your column in front of me. We will shut you down, we will cite you, and if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Exactly. Because they're a public nuisance. The irony, she's saying this to a bunch of Romanians who endured the Soviet Eastern Bloc oppression uh. of religion, and she is acting as bad, if not worse, than the Soviet Union in the way she's treating these churches. We need to say, enough is enough. We will not tolerate this. We have our constitutional rights. They are not given by you. They cannot be taken away by you. They are given by God. Put us in jail if you must, but we're going to church. Um, do you are you aware of litigation on this? Has has anybody filed either an individual or class action suit against a governor in any state on behalf of of, uh, of churches to say you can't shut us down because of some health scare? Yes, and unfortunately, Justice John Roberts sided with the state rather than the church in California. A small church sued, and Justice Roberts actually agreed with the liberal uh, branch of the Supreme Court. And then a vote from five to four with Roberts casting the deciding vote said that the state has the right to shut down the church because it's not treating the church any different than private businesses. Well, first of all, Chick-fil-A doesn't have First Amendment constitutional rights like religion does. Second, they are treating the church differently. The church can't meet in groups of 15, but you can go to Walmart or Lowe's in groups of 1,500. How is it consistent to show bias against the church but let you to go, but that, but then you can go to the McDonald's drive-through window and get a burger, but you can't go to your local church and read your Bible. It is not consistent. How Roberts made this decision is beyond me. That's the reason I asked the question because of your tweet from Sunday uh, after this came down. Justice Roberts and SCOTUS need to be reminded that our rights, as you have often said, do not come from them but are endowed by uh, to us by God. Go to church, beg them to arrest you. Time for another shot to be heard around the world. I could not agree with you more in the fact that Chief Justice Roberts was supposed to be a champion for the Constitution when George Bush appointed him to be the, the uh, uh, Chief Justice. Uh, it's it's just appalling to see where where things have gone. Dr. Everett Piper, please, sir, keep up your outstanding work in print and on air, and thank you so much for your time this morning. Thanks for having me on. Blessings. Dr. Everett Piper on AM 1420, The Answer. We're going to pivot. We have not talked much about the Chinese coronavirus and the shutdown in the state of Ohio in recent days because of the violence, the rioting, and all of the lies uh, based uh, that those things are based upon. But we're going to get back into it now. Our favorite reporter, Ohio's reporter, maybe America's reporter, Jack Windsor, will join us to discuss the latest next on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward we roll on a very important program. We've talked with some very important people today. Larry Elder in the first hour of the program, The Sage of South Central. Do not forget to watch his movie. It's released online at UncleTom.com. 
on June 19th. Make sure that you watch that movie. Watch the trailers there now. Um, it's extraordinarily important, especially given what's going on around this country uh, in the name of race and racial equality. Uh, we talked to Dr. Everett Piper about some of that very same thing, as well as the faith, as well as the faith-based um, uh, uh, messaging that is going on. And the message is from, of course, governors and local officials that faith doesn't matter. It's just not essential. Churches and synagogues continue to be restricted, if not outright closed, in many states, while all kinds of other businesses, including liquor stores, pot dispensaries, and abortion clinics, continue to have that essential status. And now we bring on another very important guest. If Mike DeWine can continue to bask in the misguided glow of the title America's Governor, well, then uh, Jack Windsor continues to deserve the title of America's Reporter because he's the only one willing to hold America's Governor to task. Jack Windsor from WMFD-TV in Mansfield continues to, or excuse me, uh, yeah, continues to be a thorn in the side of Mike DeWine, and he joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, Jack, good to have you back. How are you, sir? Hi, Bob. Uh, it's an honor to be back with you and the WHK 14 listeners. Uh, thank you for having me, and I'm, I'm doing well today, sir. I think we have more than 14 listeners, actually. 1420 listeners. There you go. That's a little better. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what you meant, and, and I laughed. I didn't roll off my tongue well, did it? <laughs> uh, well, it was just so funny. I, I'm laughing because uh, yesterday I messaged you about your typo when you typed 1410 in promotion of the interview on Facebook. You typed in 1410. Yeah. I said, nah, you meant 1420. 14. <laughs> fourteen twenty listeners. There we go. And so today, because you that. just weren't sure of the t- today, you weren't sure of the ten or the twenty, so you just said F fourteen. Let's go with the, the 14, fourteen and let it roll from there. <laughs> Jack, um, it's good to be here. Did you know? Uh, I didn't realize that the state of Ohio was open now, according to the governor of the state, as per your post and your correspondence with the governor's press secretary Dan Tierney. Uh, Ohio is open. Can you tell us? Uh, give us a little background here and tell us about the message, and then uh, we'll discuss yeah. the ramifications. Absolutely. So there was a letter dated June 1 that was sent uh, from some House representatives. And in that letter, it's a little bit lengthy, but some of the high points, they wrote that it's time to cancel the stay at home, stay safe, Ohio, Ohioans protecting Ohioans' health orders. Ohio has smashed the curve long ago, mission accomplished. The original projections were terribly off the mark. Currently, the great state has an unemployment rate of 20%. And while it's fair to say that the that early on your decisions and actions saved lives. It's also fair to say that many more Ohioans have had their lives wrecked by the economic devastation caused by these government lockdowns. As co-equal part, as a co-equal part of the Ohio government, it is time again for the General Assembly to be reasserted into the, into the decision-making process. We respectfully demand you rescind any and all current health orders pertaining to this pandemic immediately, exclamation point. And there were several exclamation points in that letter, signed by uh, Craig, uh, uh, Craig Riddle, Paul Zeltwinger, Jenna Powell, Candace Keller, John Becker, George Lang, Scott Wiggum, Mark Romanchuk, Dick Stein, Tom Brinkman, uh, Reg- Reggie Stoltzfus, and uh, Riordan McLean and Todd Smith. So yesterday, the governor, from a private email account, responded. So on June 3rd, the governor responded over email to all of the legislators, excuse me, all of the representatives, in three words state is open. That's the email uh, that I got my hands on through a representative and posted yesterday. And initially, uh, folks said, oh, that's not real. That's a, that's a fake email. And then the question became, well, are we really open? And then as people did some poking around on the state website, they saw that 
the latest order that had been posted was actually taken down. So I sent a text message to the press secretary, and I simply asked, are orders rescinded, and are we fully open? And I posted that yesterday. You can see his response in its entirety. Essentially, he said, no, the orders aren't rescinded, but we take issue with, you know, the idea that that there has to be this mutually exclusive, we're coming out of this to be safe, and the economy, you know, isn't open or vice versa. Um, And that caused a tremendous uproar, as you can imagine. First of all, um, I think you read maybe a dozen names that signed that letter to the governor, right? Roughly a dozen. That in and of itself is is just shocking and saddening. The fact that they could only find 12 members of the Ohio House of Representatives. Those are all House members, right? Those are all House members. Now, I do no, have a little no bit senators. of insight on that, but I, I want to, yes, keep going. Okay, okay, because I'm about to rip that fact, because right. I think it's I pathetic know. that they wouldn't sign that in unanimity, saying that we are co-equal uh, uh, leaders and co-equal you know, branches of government here. Of course we, as the legislative body, should have a say, or at least be inserted into this discussion. How you could not put your name to that, it, to me, is an abdication of your, your duty as a representative of the people. If you are not demanding to have a say on behalf of the people, the constituents that you represent. To me, you're, you're, you're AWOL. Uh, I, I cannot believe anybody would, ref, would refuse to sign such a letter, but go ahead. You have some insight there. Well, first of all, I agree with you 100%. Regardless of party, regardless of where you stand on this issue, it's really about what's your job. Right. And your job is to be part of that process. And if you're not passionate and in love with that part of the job, then get out. Give the seat up to somebody else who will fight for people. So I I took exception to that, too. I was able to go down to the state house. Uh, I testified uh, on Tuesday to the state and local government uh, committee uh, on some legislation, House Bill 624. And while I was there, I did have a chance to talk with some folks. Now, there are a couple of things. One, uh, people aren't, uh, because of what was going on downtown, that had a little effect on who was there and how long they were there. Secondarily, there are people like Representative Cross who put out uh, an incredible video on Friday, and uh, th- there are no doubts doubts about how he feels. And so his name is not on that, but I can tell you that if he were given the opportunity it was, and it was right in front of him, he would have absolutely signed it. But I think his mindset is, well, I put the video out. I don't think there's any doubt about where I'm at, where I stand, and what I'm demanding. So I would have liked to have seen every single member of that chamber signed that letter. I'm I'm with you on that, Bob. Uh, great clarification, though, and I'm glad to hear that, especially about Representative Cross, and that's a great point, although I would still like to be on the record to make sure that this is in front of the governor with my name on it, but I do understand the point. Okay, so now let's talk about um, the, the, uh, the question that you asked. Does the fact that the order has been removed from the website, does it mean it has been rescinded? And the answer was no, the order is still there, but, I, and this is my paraphrase, the order is still there, but we are not confident enough in the language in it to let anybody see it anymore. Uh, and and we, 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 what, was, what did you say? We resent the implication that the state isn't open. Um, I'm disgusted by that. If, if this order is still valid, scientifically based, and backed, then why isn't it there for everyone to read, and why isn't it there for everyone to discuss and debate? Well, there are two issues there. One is uh, the topic that I testified uh, regarding on Tuesday, and it is the manipulation, 
the presentation and uh, the misrepresentation uh, of information and data. It happens a lot, and it's frustrating. Bob, at, at its best, this is intellectually dishonest. I wouldn't accept this kind of behavior for my child. She knows better than to uh, try to confuse and try to misrepresent. But this is coming from our governor. And not only is it a lack of leadership, it's childish. And to go before the national media and represent this great state by saying, we're 100% open, while people are still being laid off, while small businesses still struggle with excess overhead from misaligned mandates and now limited capacity that leads them to less revenue, it's, it's disrespectful to portray Ohio to the world that way. It, it is disrespectful, and it is dishonest, and most importantly, it is still disruptive because businesses being opened at only 25% or 50% capacity, quite frankly, aren't open, at least not to the point that the business owners, <clears throat> excuse me, can expect to actually generate revenue, can, ex- can expect to actually make a profit so that they can pay their employees and return them back to full-time status. The fact that there are countless, and I wish I had an exact number of how many businesses that were open and thriving prior to uh, Dr. Labcoat's order to shut them down, by the way, unconstitutionally, according to a Lake County judge that I'll ask you to follow up on in a moment, but um, th- those businesses that will never be open again. How can he say with Cedar Point closed, with baseball closed, with with um, you know uh, uh, water parks closed, uh, with with businesses open at a, a percentage of their capacity, uh, with public business or public offices working at fifty percent capacity, and not just private enterprise? How they can just declare blanket that hey, state is open, uh, stop spreading misinformation is just beyond the pale. And why is nobody other than Jack Windsor? calling them out on it great question you hit it on too uh, cedar point zoos parks daycare centers restaurants aren't restaurants aren't at full capacity some product production facilities aren't wedding venues and event venues aren't and the list goes on and on and on and by the way when you look at you want to look at something down the road how do you think the turnpike commission is going to do uh when when cedar points close how do you think that's going to affect revenue it's it just it's almost like we we have our eyes closed and, and we're swinging the bat but back to your point about Judge Lucci, uh, again, he said, quote, Acton has no statutory authority to close all businesses, including the plaintiff's gyms, which is what he talked about in that, uh, in that ruling. Right. She has acted in an impermissibly arbitrary, unreasonable, and oppressive manner without any procedural standard. And now you back that up by coming out. He came out the next day in a press conference. And when asked about that ruling, said, well, all it does really is they shorten the, uh, the order by six days. And then a week later, you pull an order down and you say that Ohio is 100% open. <sighs> you know, it would, be, it would be comical if I weren't so furious. The number of email messages and calls I get on a daily basis from business owners, from families, from citizens who are, one, confused, and two, losing money and terrified because they have zero clarity on direction, zero clarity what their rights are. And they don't know when it's going to go back to a time when they can start predicting their lives. It's unacceptable. I um I put it based on your uh, uh, messaging and and your very important uh, social media posts about all of these things, I uh, went ahead and put a tweet up today with a poll. 
and I tagged you in it. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine told House members this week they're, they're, that their demand to open all of Ohio's businesses is irrelevant because, quote, state is open. Ohio residents, do you consider the state to be open? 105 votes in. 81.9% say no. 18% say yes. And some of the responses include open for what? Major League Baseball? Amusement parks? Motorcycle runs? Graduation parties? Fairs? League volleyball? Air shows? Any other undistanced large gathering other than looting and attacking police or damaging property of innocent business owners of all colors? That's the kind of messaging that we're getting here, Jack. How can the governor honestly... Not, is he speaking today? Do you have another uh, briefing? Oh, uh, that's an update. So the uh, the presser was canceled today. It was canceled for today. Okay, he's does the next time he does actually take questions, and I and I know I hate putting the burden on you because you get you know 150 questions uh, a day that people want you to ask on our behalf <laughs> because you're the only one willing to ask the tough questions. But I but I really legitimately would, would want somebody to read a list like that of all of the things that remain closed or extremely restricted and say how can you look the people of Ohio in the eye. And how can you look employees that continue uh, to, or, or former employees rather, to, that continue to file unemployment claims? Another 1.9 million nationally uh, as of today uh, from this past week. So there's, you know, obviously tens of thousands in Ohio as well. How can you tell these people that the state is open when people are still not working, when businesses are still not generating revenue? Yeah, that is a that is a tough question that needs to be asked, and uh, you can bet it's near uh, it's near the top of my list. And, yeah. Um, go ahead, Bob. No, no, no. I, I apologize. I, did, I just I wanted to agree with you, and I know you have a big long list here, so I'm certainly not going to put put all this on you. I just wish somebody else would do it. Jack Windsor is our guest. He is a reporter from WMFD TV in Mansfield, and he continues to report the truth. So the uh, the the end of end of this is. Uh, the order, the standing order, the last order given by uh, Dr. Labcoat uh, has been removed from the state's website, but it is not rescinded. They just don't want anybody to read it anymore. Uh, the, the order is still in place, and they resent any characterization that the state of Ohio is not open, despite what that order says. Um, and, 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 uh, and Mike DeWine is just going to roll with that. That's the end of it today. It is. And, you know, the question I've had a lot is, well, what do we do? We have Lucci's decision. Now the order's down. Uh, there's no press conference. He was supposed to talk today, I think, about zoos and amusement parks. But I, I want to say this. People make decisions irresponsible of the law. And I'm going to go there. Violent protesters, for example, yeah. they, they try to take away from the powerful message of peaceful protesters. Great example. People still have the ability to make decisions. And those decisions are either backed by the Constitution, laws, and judicial interpretation, or they're not. Now, mandates may deter correct action for a while, and the governor may be a bully and try to intimidate. But people have every right under God's authority to claim their inalienable rights. And if that gets thwarted, then there are attorneys who can help. Very, very good point. That's a very good point, and I hope people avail themselves uh, of the assistance of those attorneys. Jack Windsor, WMFD-TV, thank you for all you do when you uh, hold their feet to the fire and sharing all of the information with us by way of your multitude of social media sites uh, and accounts and, uh, and for coming on the air with us. Jack, thanks so much. Bob, it's always a pleasure. God bless you. Thank you, Jack, and you as well. Jack Windsor, he really is uh, doing the work that uh, the rest of the media will not do. Like I said before, if Mike DeWine still wears that ridiculous title of Ohio, of uh, America's governor, uh, Jack Windsor is America's reporter. We're back after this. 
855. I've got time for maybe a couple, three phone calls. Try to be brief if you can so that we can get some more people on the air before we're done. Uh, we've had three long interviews, so we did not have an opportunity to take calls today. But I do want to get you in as much as I can. Vince in Westlake, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go, go right ahead, Vince. Morning, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Great show today, yes, as usual. Two quick points. Um, mm-hmm. Number one, I'm getting tired of people telling me my white privilege has really served me well over my lifetime. There's numerous occasions where my whiteness has cost me jobs, cost me promotions to make room for uh, minorities. That's number one. Number two, wondering if you saw the article by, I believe its name is Layla Atassi in Cleveland.com about the Chagrin Falls quote-unquote hysteria. Highlight I did not. The mindset. Read it. It's, 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 it's scary because this woman thinks that we're just verifying the fact that we are racist because we got the nerve to want to protect our businesses, our storefronts, they boarded up, as you may have heard, boarded up Chagrin Falls for a uh, upcoming uh, rally. And uh, they're afraid that it might, like every other rally in this country or protest or whatever you want to call them, turn violent, lots of destruction, lots of damage, lots of loss of business, everything else. So they're protecting it. And by them protecting it, according to her, that's just verifying that you know we're, wow. we're even more racist than she thought. Wow. So no, I, uh, I, I did not it. see it. I did not see it, yeah. but I'm glad you told me about it so that I can look into it and read it. And, and uh, you know, if she's willing to discuss, and most of these people are too cowardly to do so, I'll see if we can get her on Correct. the radio and talk about it. But I will look into it. Thank you for the call, Vince. I appreciate it. Uh, let me get to uh, Melanie next in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi. Hi, Melanie. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. How are you? I loved all your guests today. And it's a nice segue because um, Jack Windsor, <clears throat> you <throat> talked earlier this week about educating um, educating people. So, I often post things on Facebook, the facts, and one, I, one time I posted something that Jack Windsor had um, said about the COVID, and someone came back and attacked me and said, oh, he's a wannabe reporter, and he's on a, a right-wing fringed uh, TV show. So those are the kind of comments you get when you when you post facts to people. I'm just, I've, I'm, I've had it. <laughs> Sorry well, I don't, that. you know, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I am totally with you. I've had it as well, and uh, and you're right. That's what they try to do. They try to marginalize and minimize anybody that disagrees with them, if not outright to tear them down, the way they did, for example, with Drew Brees, uh, you know, the the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. So in Jack Windsor's case, you know, he is here actually asking questions that the mainstream media does not want to ask because they agree with the with you know. Look, I'm going to just come right out and say it. They want the Ohio and the national economy to continue to suffer for about five more months. If they figure they can carry that suffering into November, nobody will want to reelect the status quo. Even if they don't blame Trump personally for it, they will hold him accountable for it at the ballot box. If we opened up the state fully, and if all other states did the same thing, and we had five months of rehiring and, and new economic growth again, President Trump would be reelected, and they don't want that to happen. So in my mind... That is exactly why they're going to try to tear down people like Jack and others who argue on behalf of opening up the state of Ohio. Yeah, thank you so much for your show today. It was wonderful. Thank you for listening to it. I appreciate it, and thank you for your phone call as well. Look, it's uh, it, it, it's it's hard to you know to to want to say that, and I'm not. Uh, there, there are some reporters and some news people in Cleveland, by the way, who bristle and get very angry at the suggestion that there is an agenda among the media. It's not unanimous. It's not 100%. We're not saying that every reporter and every anchor and everybody in, in, in the state is, is conspiring in some way. Uh, politically, but there is enough of them. There are enough of them, and the it, the evidence is overwhelming 
that this is the case, and that's the reason they turn on people like Jack Windsor who want to actually advocate on behalf of, of Ohio's businesses and workers. That's all the time that I've got. I wish I had more, but stay here. Mike Gallagher's next, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on Free For All Friday.